Good morning, Aotearoa. It's October 17 and I'm Zoe George. And this is The Podium, sports news but not as you know it from Stuff. What an exciting round two of the Rugby World Cup. Also on the show, football, netball, rowdy Welsh fans and this. I mean, it's bullshit. (laughs) Round two of the Rugby World Cup kicked off with a scare and two red cards for Australia against Scotland. Japan all but bowed out of the competition against former champs USA. An absolute edge-of-your-seat match with fiery fisticuffs between tournament favourites Red Roses and France. Then Canada secured a quarterfinal spot with a 22-12 win over Italy. And, of course, the Black Ferns romped home against Wales. We'll get to that soon. But the most exciting game of the weekend was Fiji against South Africa. Tosso Viti Tosso, go Fiji go. What a finish with giving away a penalty in the last few minutes only to score a try and the dying seconds to clinch a 21-17 win. Fiji have kept their quarterfinal hopes somewhat alive. The Black Ferns have booked a quarterfinal spot after an emphatic 56-12 win over Wales. Captain Druahe de Mont was massively proud of the progress her team had made since their opener against Australia. The team made massive shifts, especially in our mindset. And um, we knew that, one, we needed to be really physical at the start of that game to get into the game. We couldn't afford to wait 30 minutes to get into the game like we did last week. But we also needed to be switched on upstairs. And so we trained it this week and we took it out onto the park and I'm really proud of the way that we all mentally applied ourselves and and tried to stack moments and win each moment, even when we were you know, down in our 22, line up all on D again and again and again. Just the way that we were able to get up and try and turn those moments into points and have the courage to do that, I'm really proud of our team. But when it comes to some struggles with kicking, with tongue firmly in cheek, she puts it down to two challenges, wind and the posts being very, very far away. <laughs> and for Alana Bremner, playing alongside her sister Chelsea made the match super special. I get so excited. I feel so grateful that I get to have the opportunity to play with Charles. It's not often you get to play with your sister in a home World Cup um, in front of your friends and family. So to do that, it's definitely a big smile on my face. Getting to sit next to each other in the changing rooms and just have the support of her there is, is something pretty cool. Coach Wayne Smith was happy with some aspects of the game, but can see areas to work on before next weekend, including what he said was giving away, quote, dumb penalties. I love the attacking intent aligned to our defence. It was pretty special. I thought, you know, we defended way better this week. Um, we put a lot of work into it during the week. Much faster tackle intensity was better, and the counter attack off the back of that was pretty special. Bit of work to do up front, I think. Platform, um, scrum and line out. They, they played really well. I thought Wales up front, They're hugely competitive. So going to be a hell of a game next week against Aussie. Joseph Pearson was at Waitakere Stadium. Joe, before we talk Black Ferns, how were those Fiji fans in those dying minutes of the game? There wasn't that many of them there. Most people had actually left after the Black Ferns game, which was a bit of a shame, really, because they missed the best game of the day, didn't they? Really, um, in terms of excitement, but. It's kind of a ripple effect with Fijian rugby fans. As soon as one of them starts yelling, they all start yelling. So there was plenty of noise towards the end there, and that finish was just incredible, wasn't it? And the, the performance from the prop, Siteri Rasoleya, I mean, that was just incredible. 
incredible performance from her and probably the best individual performance of the tournament and it was just amazing scenes at the end wasn't it it's a shame that they won't get a chance to have a crack at a quarter final because they play France next weekend we can still hope we can still dream yeah unfortunately they'll be nowhere near good enough to take on France if it's like when they played England that could be some exciting tries like like they did score at Eden Park last weekend but yeah it was it was a special moment because it's obviously their first World Cup and it was their first win against a strong physically strong South Africa team although they too aren't a great side they're certainly developing but yeah what a moment for Fiji oh just stunning all right let's go Black Ferns it was the Portia Woodman try scoring show again was it 10 tries in total but it wasn't without drama with the Black Ferns getting down to 13 players at one stage what happened there yeah so I think that this match played out as I think many would have predicted in that Wales came out quite strong you know Mm. they they sort of exerted quite a lot of forward dominance. Yeah, the Blackfins then, as soon as they sort of clicked into gear, you saw the attacking threat they have. It was that there were some outstanding tries, and yeah, I think Portia Woodman trampling Jasmine Joyce a la John Olomu was... <laughs> was certainly probably the, the moment of the match that got everyone on their feet. But yeah, in the second half when the game was sort of over and they were making a few changes, Wales was Wales were very were good. You know, Wayne Smith said that they were very good up front and it's certainly something that will be concerning for the Blackfins because they conceded a lot of penalties, 17-8 count against them. And it ended up, the ref, Holly Davidson, just had enough and Simbind Sarah Hirini in about the 70th minute and then Charmaine McMenamin a few minutes later as well for a deliberate knockdown and just... I think more of an accumulation of repeated infringements, which the referee lost patience with. And as as Smith alluded to, you know, if they, if they play like that in a knockout game against England or France, they will lose. This tournament isn't about how they perform against Wales. It's how they perform in that game against England or France in a semi-final, which is what's likely. So... Yeah, some concerns there and and certainly not much time to address them. Well, we play Scotland next weekend. Um, I feel kind of a bit bad for for the Scottish team because they came incredibly close last week against Wales and then again against Australia this week, week just gone. Um, If the Black Ferns win, do we know who we'll meet in the quarterfinal? Yeah, so the quarterfinal draw has never been that straightforward to figure out, but it's starting to take shape. So it looks like the Black Ferns are actually going to finish as the top seed. So what happens is the top eight from the 12, teams in the tournament are ranked from first to eighth and the Black Ferns will probably finish as the top seed because they'll be top of their pool with the most points compared to the other pool winners and that bonus point that England didn't get against France in their win was significant um, in that respect so at this stage it looks like the Black Ferns will play either Wales again or USA in the quarterfinals however these matches over the weekend will clearly have a considerable say on the order but yeah, it looks like the Black Ferns will finish top and play the eight Franks team, which will be the second lowest third place team of the three pools, if that makes sense. It's a little bit confusing. It's it's not <laughs> been straightforward to figure out from, from the off. I mean, we have, I've tried to figure out the route to the final for the Black Ferns. But yeah, as it stands, Wales or USA. OK, well, you talked about England versus France. England just too good uh, with a 13-7 win over France. But there was not one, but two fights. Did you see that, Joe? Yeah, I'm all for it. Like we, we need these rivalries and you know, and aggression and physicality. It really stokes it up, stokes up the spectacle. And look, I mean, we all love it, don't we? And anyone who watches rugby and, and sees a scrap, I mean, it, it's great, isn't it? But um, yeah, there's certainly. I think the French will be quite happy with how they performed in that game because they lost their t- two of their best players, Laurent Sansou and Romain Manager, in the first 20 minutes, and. They were still right in the game. That they shouldn't have been on the stats, you know. They, they had hardly had any of the ball. Zoe Harrison, who was outstanding at ten for England, just kicked them, kicked the ball deep in their half, and they could never get out. But 
from nowhere they scored a try, taking advantage of England's lack of taking their chances. And they almost had a chance to win it at the end. Not not really, didn't have a clear cook chance. And then England obviously won 13-7, holding on in the end. But yeah, it was a great high quality match. And, and Wayne Smith said afterwards that it was the centre of his evening on Saturday night as he went over to Graham Henry's house to watch it. Well, after the bruising match, Red Roses captain Sarah Hunter told Spark Sport after the game it was every bit as tough as she'd been expecting. We always knew it was going to be tough. We knew it was going to be a traditional battle. We knew it was going to come down to like a close score, fine margins, and it certainly didn't disappoint. For the neutrals out there, it was a, a good, tense game to, to watch that could have gone either way. Oh, oh, well, I think it's time for you, Joe, to have a cup of tea and a lie down. So much rugby, so much more rugby to go. We'll catch you on Friday. All good, thank you. The Silver Ferns were back in action again this weekend, playing the Australian Diamonds in the second game of the Constellation Cup. Brendan Egan, kia ora. Kia ora, Zoe. How's it going? Not too bad. Do the Ferns have one hand on the trophy after yesterday's game? They definitely do, yeah. they um, Two wins in New Zealand was huge for the Ferns and getting up that goal percentage. So Australia, they can still um, they can still regain the trophy. I mean, if they can get two wins over there on Australia, they're going to have to rack up some large um, some large margins against the Ferns, but it's definitely advantage Ferns at the moment. What was the score yesterday and how much do Australia have to beat us by to be able to get that trophy? It's a little bit fiddly because it's on goal percentage but the Ferns won the first game by eight and they won the second game by four so they're up plus 12 so basically the uh, the Diamonds they're going to have to win both games and they're going to have to get their margin up so you know say two, two six goal wins but it's a little bit fiddly with the goal percentage so we'll have to leave it to the experts <laughs> but basically the Diamonds need to win and win well in Australia. Oh, So when are they playing next? So it's Wednesday night in Melbourne and then the last game is on next Sunday night on the Gold Coast. Okay alright well we'll definitely chat to you again about that and possibly good news for the Black Caps and Lockie Ferguson in time for the T20 World Cup. That's right yeah some good reports here from Gary Stead after the match said that um, Ferguson was did a bowling session just before the final and apparently he looked like the Lockie of old and was, was ripping it down so I'd imagine he'll play in the two uh, warm-up games um, I'm not too sure how many overs he'll bowl but he'll um, he'll definitely have a bowl so that's good news for the Black Caps and yeah Gary Stead indicating that he'll be he'll be available and, and ruined to go in that first game against Australia on Saturday Oh bring it on thanks so much Brendan we look forward to chatting with you more Cool thanks Zoe And we're back into the football season. It was another edge-of-your-seat match with a two-all draw between the Phoenix and Mariners. Phil Rollo was at the Cake Tin last night. Kia ora, Phil. Hey, Zoe. More late drama for the Phoenix? Yeah, last weekend it was Adelaide scoring a late goal to snatch a draw, and, and this weekend it was the Phoenix. Um, it went down to a corner in the 88th minute, which skimmed off a Mariners player's head and went through the goalkeeper's hands to um, secure a 2-2 draw. So, um, yeah, it was more like drama. Not ideal when you're trying to file a match report on full-time. <laughs> yeah, well, I heard that we let through two soft goals. Yeah, they did. So the Phoenix went ahead and then they conceded two goals in about, I think, six minutes. But, um, yeah, so Ben Wayne scored the, the Phoenix first goal and, and he's now got goals in consecutive games. So it's a good start for, for him, but um, Phoenix is still searching for their, their first one. And the English Premier League is back. A few big games overnight. Yeah, there was a massive result overnight, actually, with Liverpool ending Manchester City's nine-game unbeaten run. So that's a, a four-point gap at the top of the table for, for Arsenal now, which... Um, I don't think too many people would have would have picked them to be leading. Also, the under seventeen football ferns at the Football World Cup. Whoop whoop. Um, how are they going, and can they improve on their third placing from the last time they were there? Uh, no, they definitely can't. So, <laughs> they've, oh. un- unfortunately, they've they've lost their first two games. So they 
already um, can't make it through to the next round. So they, they lost to Chile 3-1 in their first game and then went down 4-0 to Nigeria. Oof. And So their, their final game is against um, Group B leaders Germany tonight. So, yeah, it hasn't been the same. I haven't been able to replicate the, the success from, from four years ago when they, they got that bronze medal, which was um, New Zealand's best ever result at a Football World Cup. So, yeah, early exit for, for the team this, this time. And before I let you go, any inside goss on who the new All Whites coach will be? No goss, but um, yeah, the interesting one is um, Phoenix coach Ufuk Tele has put his hand up to to take on both jobs, which um, we saw Ricky Herbert do that for about six years when um, he actually took, uh, during that period, it coincided with New Zealand going to, to the World Cup. So he reckons he could do both, but um, he says it's up to New Zealand football to, to contact him if, if they're interested. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep us updated. And it's a huge week this week um, for FIFA Women's Football World Cup. We've got, was it the draw coming on Saturday? So we will be talking with you Friday. Exciting times ahead. Yep, sounds good. In other sports news from the weekend, Commonwealth Games cycling stars have made it to the podium at the UCI Track Cycling World Championships in Paris. Bryony Botha claimed silver in the 3,000 metre individual pursuit, her first ever world champ medal, and she did it after sustaining a punctured lung at the Commonwealth Games. Aaron Gate claimed the bronze in the four-discipline Omnium competition with his third world champ medal, and Corbin Strong claimed silver in the elimination race. In the MPC Rugby, Wellington booked a spot in the final with a 54-19 thrashing over Auckland. It's the first time Wellington has scored more than 50 points against Auckland. And they'll meet Canterbury in the final after the Cantabs beat Bay of Plenty 24-10. And in Heartland, South Canterbury is one game away from back-to-back Heartland Rugby Championship titles after a stunning 12-try demolition of King Country in Saturday's semi-final. They'll face Whanganui and Timaru next weekend in the final. White fan Susie Bates scored an unbeaten 82 off 67 to set up a 17-run win over Adelaide Strikers in the WBBL. And in the Rugby League World Cup, the Kiwis beat Lebanon in their opening game 34-12. This week marks 50 years since the passing of the Equal Pay Act in Aotearoa, but the gender pay gap is still large. In general society, the current gender pay gap for Pākehā women is 11%, for Māori women it's 19%, and for Pacifica women it's 25%, according to Mind the Gap, who presented a petition to Parliament last week calling for pay gap transparency. In sport, it's much higher. For women in rugby in Aotearoa, playing in the Black Ferns, Super Rugby, Opiki and the Palmer Cup, it's about 73 to 100%. Those playing in Palmer Cup do not receive payment to play, while their male counterparts in NPC do. In Super Rugby, men's retainers are between 75 and 195,000, while the women get about 6,000 for the season. At the top level, there's almost equity for the Blackfern 7s, but the same can't be said for the Blackferns 15s. While the women in black are the highest paid at this Rugby World Cup, Some teams receive little or no player payment and some in tournament favourites England are on minimum wage. The Blackferns base retainer started about $35,000 and they receive $2,000 assembly fees per week. The All Blacks receive $7,500 per week in assembly fees and the top players are earning over a million dollars. I took those stats to the public and asked what do they think of them and should the Blackferns get paid the same to play? Well, it doesn't really add up when they're selling out Eden Park. 
If they can sell out Eden Park, then they can deserve to be paid the same. It's completely unfair, especially when lots of professional sportswomen have to have second jobs, where lots of professional sportsmen are just earning so much money. So I think it's just completely unfair. They are pulling in full stadiums. They've got all of the skills and more, and they deserve to be paid the same. I mean, it's bullshit. <laughs> Quite frankly, I don't think that there's like a world where that should be a vibe at all. Ever. That's madness. I think that any kind of underpayment, any kind of pay gap, any kind of gender or ethnic discrimination sends a message to that person that they're not valued or valuable. And I don't think that it's rocket science to say that it shouldn't be that way. Especially when you look at the turnout with the um, women's rugby game over the weekend. Like, you just can't argue that they don't bring in the spectators, therefore the advertisers, therefore the money. So instead of divvying it up to the men... Give it to the women. How do we change it then? How do we get equal pay? You know, we've been talking about this for ages. You know, it's, it's like sometimes I think, you know, we just talk, talk, talk and no action. So actually action. Someone has to step out and say, actually, this isn't right. And back, back themselves and have others back them as well. So where does this leave the drive to close the pay gap when it comes to men and women's rugby? We got the New Zealand Rugby Players Association Chief Executive Rob Nickel to come to answer a few questions. Importantly, that old chestnut, quote, women shouldn't be paid the same because commercially they don't bring in the crowds. That is fundamentally wrong in our books. Okay, so at the end of the day, the two things there, and you're in my job and you're going around all the players and you're saying, by the way, we're going to take a big chunk and allocate it to the women's game. And this is the point where Sevens win even in the Olympics. It's like, what? And it's like, guys, think ahead. Why is AIG? Why are Adidas? Why are these global brands going to touch rugby if it's just males? The argument they don't have commercial value is not correct. And in fact, I would argue your commercial value is massively eroded if you don't have both genders involved. You know, I think that's really important. So that, that's probably number one on the commercial value. It might be when the sponsor allocates their sponsorship, they might be still disproportionate depending on the age and stage and where it's at. But if you did a sponsorship of Sevens in New Zealand Rugby at the moment, how could you split that? Like it might be, I'd, I suggest it would be the other way around at the moment. I don't agree that lack of commercial value. Look, we know the Black Ferns, if they play three test matches in a row, the chance of them selling out Eden Park and Wellington and Canterbury, it wouldn't happen at the moment. But one day it will. So commercially, I think they do have value. Yeah, 100%. And the other part that are really, and this is what actually got the male players in New Zealand kind of really focused in on this, is you can't just look at it like that. Like if you are asking a player to turn up and train five days a week and work to a schedule that full-time coaches, full-time trainers, S&C, managers, everyone else is full-time, they've all getting paid, they've all got a mortgage, they've all got a house, and you're saying, oh, but the athletes, which is the Olympic sports, right, the athletes don't get paid a decent wage. Like, where's the va- like, where are the values in that? It seems like there's one area which has managed to get pay equity across the line. Maggie Cogger Orr told us how referees are paid and how New Zealand's leading the way in that space. Within refereeing, it probably depends on what level you're refing at. So the fees are paid by game competition. So it doesn't necessarily matter whether you're a man or a woman refing it. So currently, sort of in our domestic competition, uh, below Super, NPC would be the highest paid. And then Heartland and Fair Palmer Cup are the same. And then there's sort of ad hoc ones below that. So in terms of our access to it as a referee, there's there's no real difference between me and my sort of male colleagues. And then New Zealand Rugby has worked really hard so that at test level, um, our test match fees are, we've got pay parity with the boys. 
Yeah, which is a, a big credit to Bryce Lawrence. He fought really hard to make sure that that was the case. Um, obviously, we're looking at a much smaller scale where we're looking at only, you know, maybe three or four of us and four or five of them. Uh, so it's a much smaller group to pull from. Um, but that's certainly something that New Zealand is, to be honest, like leading the world in from a, just our domestic point of view. From speaking to some of my international colleagues here, that's certainly something that I think New Zealand has taken the lead in, in terms of something that they think is important within our refereeing space. Staff's newest columnist and former elite rugby and rugby league player Hani Hidimi Smiler told me other sports are ahead of rugby in terms of pay, but it also comes down to adequate resourcing of teams. When society gets to view our black friends, our players as athletes, you know, and, and that equal pay does come into it. Um, you're seeing across other sports now, you've got the Rugby League World Cup about to kick off and that they're paying everybody the same in terms of match fees and the likes. That's across women and the wheelchair athletes as well. A rugby, I'd love to see a lot more resourcing going to the coaching space, you know, and really starting to bring some of our female coaches through and not just females coaching females, but females coaching all rugby players. But some sports have been able to close the gap. Cricket is one. In July, in a landmark agreement, equal pay for equal play was recognised, with women at international and domestic levels receiving equal match fees with their male counterparts. Although they acknowledge male cricketers will get paid more than female players because they play more matches, formats and spend more time training. So how did they achieve this? Here's New Zealand Cricket Players Association Chief Executive Heath Mills. We had the view the players had to get paid the same amount for when they play the actual game of cricket on the same day, male or female. So we were delighted to get that component of of the players' remuneration the same. But we also have insurance payments, retirement fund contributions and also property right payments. All our players put their IP rights into a trust which we manage on their behalf um, and that's part of the collective agreement and they all get payments depending upon what promotions they do, the use of their image, and and obviously it's weighted on the value of that as well. And rather than trying to work it out themselves, the Players Association took advice on how to even up the remuneration and base their negotiations on seven principles. What we did early on was we, we went to a woman called Yolanda Beattie, who is a gender pay equity expert based out of Australia. She'd done a lot of work with some of the sports in that country, and she was awesome. Um, we got her to give us some advice and talk to our our members and negotiating team, um, and she came up with a, a set of principles to work to, and, and that was what guided us. So, for instance, her overarching view is that pay equity is achieved when women and men earn the same remuneration for work of equal or comparable value. So that comparable value part was important in the professional sporting context. The debate over equal pay when it comes to the Black Ferns and the All Blacks is pretty straightforward if you ask employment lawyer and staff columnist Susan hornsby Gallic. She told me there are two questions to be answered under the Equal Pay Act. Are the players doing pretty much the same job using the same skills? And are the conditions substantially similar? So if you look at both of those questions, I think there is a real case to answer that actually these girls are performing the same job, uh, they're performing it under similar conditions of employment and therefore are entitled to equal pay. This should be recognised by New Zealand Rugby. It's time for 
us to hold their feet to the flame and really look seriously at uh, whether the black ferns should be paid on an equal basis to the All Blacks. And that's the podium for October 17. I'm Zoe George and on behalf of our guests this week, producer John O'Williams and Philippa Tully and audio editor Connor Scott, thanks for listening. You can get in touch with us now via email thepodium at stuff.co.nz and listen at stuff.co.nz forward slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll catch you Friday. Until then, na mihi, go well.